0: It's Friday night, which means it's time for another episode of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Ashley.
1: And I'm Casey. Last week we had some heartwarming Valentine's Day episodes and our first ever discussion of All Grown Up.
0: We also conducted our weekly Twitter poll asking which of Eliza's family members comes through for her the most in her life. We got a pretty close tie between Darwin and Nigel with 48% Darwin and 41% Nigel And very low percentages for both Donnie and Marianne, both below 10%.
1: Yeah, I think this is a fair assessment because, you know, Nigel is a great family man, you know, and a great husband to his wife, but he's so involved in his work that he doesn't always pay attention to his kids or know what's going on. Darwin, even though he can be a bit selfish, he's always present and ready to kind of drop everything for Eliza, so I think that was a very good choice.
0: Yeah, I think that was definitely very fair. I think Darwin, I believe, is who I would say pulls through for her the most as well.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, This time we have some unsettling episodes from a a wide variety of Nicktoons that will really weird you out, and we've been looking to do this episode really since the very beginning and we assembled our first list of ideas, so this one's a long time in the making and we're so excited.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great set of episodes and I'm hoping you guys like these as much as we did. Also, this will be our last episode with actual Nicktoons episodes until April, because if you didn't tune in last time or haven't seen it on any of our social media, we are doing Nick Madness, sort of a play on March Madness, pairing Nicktoons against each other, trying to find out who is the best Nicktoon.
1: Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. We'll have more info for you at the end of this episode. For now, enjoy the three segments coming up. This format will be coming back in the beginning of April. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, now let's get started.
0: Our first episode is from SpongeBob, entitled SB One Two Nine. It's season one, episode fourteen A.
1: And in this very unsettling episode, Squidward accidentally freezes himself for two thousand years and experiences complications while using a time machine. Um, and I do. There, there are some obvious similarities with Futurama here um, in terms of premise, but otherwise, the episode is pretty un unrelated um can we talk about the title first i've never really thought about what that means
0: yeah i thought that it meant season one episode 29 right but 14a would be 27 can i not math right well remember
1: the first episode of spongebob is three isn't it or the second episode
0: Oh. Oh, you're right. So I guess, does this work out? It might. be the 29th episode. You're right.
1: I never thought about it. And it's clearly SpongeBob. But why, why that title for this specific episode? Is it just to make it even weirder and more ethereal?
0: Yeah, I think, I think the idea is, if we want to pick logical explanations for everything that happens in this episode, we will never stop talking about it, right? It's... I think it's mostly just, it's supposed to be strange, and it's supposed to get you ready for this, like, this is not a typical episode, strange feeling. This one, even when I was a kid and I watched it, I remember just feeling, like, what's what's going on?
1: And if you don't remember this episode, but know that you've seen most or all of SpongeBob, the the thing that I think would have traumatized you if you watched this as a child was the alone, 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 alone scene where Squidward is in this sort of vast nothingness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's weird. The places that this episode goes, it's just strange. It's, You know, but we we started out, and it's normal enough at the beginning. It's just a typical situation... In the very, very beginning of the episode itself,
1: I still feel like the beginning is still kind of disturbing. It it feels otherworldly already in that, like Squidward, he says, "I think I'll treat Bikini Bottom to some real music," which is, you know, me when I'm loudly practicing at three a.m. and my apartment complex hates me. Um, but like the one of the first major events is Squidward's clarinet squeaking lodged down his throat. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess I'm thinking more so just the idea that, you know, Spongebob comes over and is like, let's go jellyfishing, and Squidward's like, no. Like, that follows a fairly You're familiar plot. right, that's plot, typical, right? Like, and
1: it's important to establish the jellyfishing concept at the beginning of this episode.
0: Yes. And, you know, we, we get this whole thing where he's like, Spongebob's like, ready to go, and Squidward replies with, no, I'm not ready to go. And Patrick's like, he doesn't want to play with us. But Spongebob's like, "No, Patrick, he's just not ready, which is also again, I felt like that felt pretty pretty typical, like just Spongebob not really getting it, Squidward not wanting to deal with them it It takes a pretty quick turn for the very weird it, it does later. so
1: Squidward has this sort of there's this sort of overarching be careful what you wish for element to the episode where all he wants to do is get away from Spongebob and he accomplishes that, but he also doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, he... So, he decides to go to the Krusty Krab because... And, you know, I thought this was kind of kind of dumb, right? Squidward works there, but he's like, why aren't you at work? And SpongeBob's like, oh, it's Sunday, and the Krusty Krab is closed. But, like, wouldn't Squidward yeah, have thought that? he should know that
1: because he's not at work.
0: <laughs> yeah, but
1: yeah. we'll let
0: it slide. He decides to sneak over to the Krusty Krab, because Spongebob won't be there, and just locks himself in the freezer, Um, unintentionally, but assuming somebody will find him soon, and of course, 2,000 years later, he falls down the doors, like, rusted through, into this world that is just all chrome.
1: So, Ashley, let's count the logical inconsistencies throughout here. I want to keep track, see how many we can catch. First one... No oh, one opens gosh. the freezer for two thousand years.
0: <laughs> yeah, I find that to be. I mean, it's a it's a food establishment too, right? You'd imagine there's something in there that like there's frozen patties or something that they've yeah, got to pull
1: Crab out. Mr. should have found him his, like a day later, you know. So that means the but patties regardless. aren't being frozen. I I don't know. So that's number 1. Uh but yeah, he's he's in this chrome world. I don't need to, I don't mean to seem too critical this episode. I think it's purposely illogical, but it's interesting to see how many inconsistencies there are. But Squidward it exits and uh this SpongeBob-looking creature says, "Oh, uh, a frozen cephalopod," which is the uh the family, I think, that uh Squidward what it's not the phylum, it's one of those science terms. <laughs>
0: Yeah, one of those, one of those things. I'm not that kind of a biology person, you know. Might be the
1: order. Uh, Anyway, the, uh, it's, it's, uh, Squidward is like, what, what, SpongeBob, what are you doing here? And this SpongeBob clearly understands that Squidward is from the past, maybe from his, the way he dresses or the way he acts, because he keeps calling him primitive. And uh, he goes, I'm not, oh no, I'm not Spongebob. I am, and he's like, Spongetron 3, whatever, in like a robot voice.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, because there would be a specific robot made to look exactly like Spongebob in the future. Why would it that be? Yeah,
1: exactly. And so that's number two, let's say. Logical inconsistency number two.
0: Are we, are we saying, I guess we're going to allow everything being chrome to just be a thing that yeah, happens. Yeah, that's
1: valid cuz it just is, you know. Um Sure. So we have
0: everything is chrome, chrome, chrome in the future. The there's iconic there's one. also that and that classic moment where there's like a we see a plant grow up from the ground and there's just this truck where apparently this guy's job is to track down non-chrome things and spray paint them chrome, which he does. <laughs>
1: that's one of my favorite gags in this episode. It's so ridiculous. <laughs>
0: Just the idea of, like, that being, like, yeah. your life. You're just waiting for things to grow so you can make them chrome because it's the future. Also, them referring to it as the future, <laughs> right? It would be the present.
1: That's number three, let's say. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, so this episode is completely ridiculous, as we've sort of been commenting. Uh, so Squidward goes into future shock, and he is sort of, you know, writhing on the floor. That's his future moment, uh, that... You probably remember, and uh, SpongeBob is what is he? SpongeBob or there's a two-headed Patrick that shows up because of course there is, and
0: uh, yeah, and he also is like, oh, I thought you might want to meet SpongeBob or SpongeTrons X, Y, and Z, and Squidward says like, oh, is there one for every letter of the alphabet? And he's like, yep, all four hundred and eighty-six of them, which I don't know what they've done in the future that requires that many extra letters like they've invented more sounds because realistically the only reason we need more letters is to write to write down more more,
1: sounds but we already have them all documented and there aren't 486 of them so everything else would just be hybrid so maybe they added a bunch of hybrid letters but regardless i'm going to say this is number four
0: (laughs) yeah so at this point squidward is having enough of the future and decides that he wants to go to the time machine, which of course they have. Uh, accidentally goes into the can opener, which is an entire room that just shreds him, because that's what a can opening room Number would do, five. sure. And, and then he goes into this, it's like a, I don't know, it's got like elevator music playing, yeah. and there's like a little, like, it looks super old schooly yeah, like, and it's stuff.
1: It's like tacky 80s or like 70s, really, decoration. It's like pink wallpaper with uh with lines going down it, and uh, Squidward, <laughs> Squidward's so sassy, and I love it. He goes, "Well, I wouldn't have chosen this interior."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel about that though. It's it could look a little bit better. Let's I just be love
1: his attitude. Squidward is so great. And then, so this is where things like so far it's been weird, but not unsettling weird. Uh, and this is where things really get taken up a notch in the time machine.
0: Yeah, I also want to note the time machine has two settings and it's future and past. One it's currently set to future. So again, they just know that they are in the future and he decides to go to the past, which because he can't go to the present because then he would just be back where he is, but like why would that make sense? Why would present be the day that he so got number frozen? Six. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So he goes to the past, which is just, you know, way, way back in the day we're going. And he
1: says, as he steps out and looks around this sort of untamed undersea jungle, uh, he says, oh, it's sort of an old world charm, but you can tell that he's getting nervous. And then we meet caveman SpongeBob and Patrick, but they are not SpongeGar and PatGar from the, uh, the caveman episode. they they have a distinct look and sound that is different from them this is the sponge the caveman spongebob from that meme that was floating around for a while
0: yeah we also see patrick's teeth which i think that alone qualifies this episode as unsettling yeah they're you can disgusting like see
1: his breath coming out onto squidward and it's like it takes a physical form because it's so vile um, and then, they're, so they're, they don't talk, these primitive Spongebob and Patricks, and they're scared of a jellyfish, and it's kind of adorable, actually, because they look like these tough, scary animals, and but they're so easily scared by just a little jellyfish.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, Squidward goes and he tries to practice clarinet, because that's, you know, he wants some peace and quiet to finally practice this. And just as he's about to play a note, every time they start, like, you know, howling, like, whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. Well, hold on, Ashley. What was that noise again? I didn't catch that.
0: I'm not doing this again.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so they, uh, so Squidward in his ultimate annoyance decides, like, all right, I just need to solve this right now. And, uh, oh, logical inconsistency number seven, that, the where does the clarinet come from? Did he just have it with him the whole time? But Spongebob does that all the time. Uh-uh. Yeah, they'll, they'll, you... I
0: was gonna say, I feel like, I feel like there, there's a term for it, I think. There's, like, a trope term for, like, the thing where,
1: They just um, summon props that they need know. out of midair. Yeah. yeah.
0: Props summoning is very common we, in cartoons. So yeah, I'll, I'll we let won't that one slide so just... will count
1: it. But then... Uh, so he essentially teaches them jellyfishing, and, uh, he uses, it's funny, he makes them nets that match their loincloths, and,
0: uh... Yeah, they have, they conveniently have, like, multiple loincloths. Right, loin cloths. so he
1: makes it out of them, and, uh, they figure out how to do it, and... <laughs> can we talk about the image of them just passing the jellyfish back and forth and getting stung? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they're... They're clearly... I don't understand, like... What- why anyone would ever do this. They're just like holding it, it's stinging them, and they're just passing it back and forth, and like, yelling, and... So Squidward gives them their nets, and... For a while, they're having an okay time. But then Squidward starts playing the clarinet, and they lose it. Yeah, they
1: get terrifying. They start to chase him, and Squidward is running for his life. And the the cinematography is actually fantastic. They use like pretty non typical SpongeBob angles and perspectives, and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, and so he gets back at the time machine, and this is this is just the great the great moment, right? He's He's, like, frantically just, like, trying to move the lever in every which way. And it, uh, it, like, changes... One, he, like, rips off the handle, and then it changes to, like, a slot machine. And he just gets, like, he loses in the slot machine somehow.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh. It's, yeah, it's funny and absurd. And then, so then the time machine breaks, and this is where things get really weird.
0: Yeah, we see him kinda of floating through space and we see like these weird words all over. There's like asparagus is the only one I remember. I yeah, think there's there some math there terms round two, but
1: Yeah, and...
0: Yeah, <laughs> asparagus, just floating through space and then he ends up in this completely white room. I don't even know if you could call it a room. Then it's like a walls, space. It's
1: just Squidward in a white background. He's he's nice and relaxed and he goes, I'm finally alone. No more SpongeBob, no future Spongebob, no present SpongeBob, no past SpongeBob. Just alone. And then out of his mouth, as he says that, comes a giant speech bubble that just says, Alone.
0: Yeah, and we We get increasingly more of those
1: Yeah, they build on, yeah, they, up the Building up. They build up the on space. each other. They're each in a different font and color. And uh, it's all different voices to it. And different they're like voice very too. non yeah. cartoon voices. It just sounds like human beings, which makes it even more unsettling. <laughs> they're just like alone, alone.
0: Yeah. And after, after it fills up the space, just simultaneously, all the voices just start saying, like, alone. And it's like echoey. And it's
1: all at once. Ugh. And he keeps getting smaller along with all of the words. At the same time, so it's just alone, 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 alone. alone. It's horrifying. It's so messed up.
0: It's. <laughs> I don't know who decided to make the scene or why they decided to make it or what, but dear God, it's just.
1: It's fa- it's oof. fantastic. It's, it's one of those. Ex- it's, but it's so creepy.
0: <laughs> yeah it it still made me feel unsettled. Yeah,
1: I would still say
0: even knowing it was coming. None of the
1: moments in these episodes unsettled me more than Nosferatu, though. Still, not oh even God. Zim.
0: That's because you're, you're a child.
1: <laughs> uh, so then Squidward ends up getting out of this in kind of a bizarre way. He starts like throwing a tantrum and pounding his, you know, tentacle feet on the the floor so to speak and he ends up breaking through it like it's a ceiling a floor and a ceiling going down to a lower floor in which he just ends up back in the time machine
0: (laughs) yeah i I don't know if that whole sequence counts as some weird plot misfortune or if we just accept that that's a thing that happens when you break a time machine but then you can get back into it through the ceiling i don't know (laughs) I don't know if we can even be in the point of logical inconsistencies anymore, but somehow he gets back to their normal time, and Patrick and SpongeBob want to go jellyfishing, and Squidward's like, oh, who's the moron who invented that, or something along the lines of, and then Patrick and SpongeBob respond, you are, but how how would they know
1: this is number seven out of seven of our logical inconsistencies and there's unless the consciousness of spongebob and patrick somehow passes between all these different spongebob and patrick's then there's no way they would know that squidward is the one who retroactively invented the game it does create a kind of nice clean not even a paradox but a cyclical loop of squidward invents jellyfishing, and then is annoyed by jellyfishing, knows what it is, therefore uses it to shut up past SpongeBob and Patrick, and it just, it's an endless loop.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that comes up anytime you talk about time travel, right, is like, if I go back to invent something, then like, was I the one who invented it? And if that's the case, then how did I know to... Go back to invent it. You, you know, it's it's a right. thing.
1: And the the way I've seen it sort of settled in a, a media sense is it never was created. It just has always existed in the cyclical loop. So jellyfishing was not invented. It was just always.
0: <laughs> right. It's, you know, it's, it's time travel logic. At some point, you've got to accept it mm-hmm. and move forward. Overall, though, I think... I I do like this episode but in a different way that I like most SpongeBob episodes. It's so different that I find it to be enjoyable but in a very unsettling yeah, way. I love
1: it too. It's just not very rewatchable, I think. Like it was great to watch it again after all these years, but I don't feel pumped to immediately start watching it again like I did with the Krusty Krab training video or uh, Band Geeks the most quotable episode ever. What? <laughs>
0: second most <laughs> but but yeah i think it's one that's interesting as a concept but definitely not you don't get the same nostalgia hyped up feeling as you do about other spongebob episodes i think that uh, sums up all of my thoughts i on am
1: yeah next up we have an episode from hey arnold Our second episode is from Hey Arnold. It's called Pigeon Man, and it's from Season 1, Episode 15b.
0: In this one, Arnold brings his sick pigeon to the mysterious Pigeon Man, who miraculously cures the bird. To show his gratitude, Arnold convinces Pigeon Man to come down off his roof and walk around the old neighborhood.
1: So this one is technically one of Gerald's legends, but... We left it off of our Gerald's Legends episode way back in podcast uh, six, I believe, because we were saving it for this very episode that we didn't get around to until now, so kind of funny. Yeah,
0: it's, it's definitely a different flavor of unsettling than the other two, but I think it's unsettling and also beautiful, I think, more so than the other ones are.
1: Oh, it's so stunning, yeah, and I a uh, correction It was podcast five was Gerald's legends, uh, so very early on, and yeah, this episode starts with some nice, tender music as Arnold uh instructs his carrier pigeons to uh take a note to Gerald, and everything about that is adorable, and so Arnold yeah,
0: he has it's Chester, Lester, and Fester, I think they they all rhyme.
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: And he sends Chester off with a note, and we can kind of tell, Arnold seems to just not notice, but Chester seems a little bit off, he's not eating all of his food, he's kind of, he takes a little bit of a dip before flying off, and so we we do get a little bit concerned, and we get to, because he was telling Gerald to go play baseball with them, and Gerald ends up being late, and we end up seeing Chester kind of falling out of the sky, And thankfully, uh, Arnold catches him.
1: Yeah, with a glove and everything. It's as Sid says, nice grab, Arnold, which I was typing in the comments as he (laughs) said that. (laughs) And then deleted it, because I was like, well, Sid beat me to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and we then get to the point where Arnold's like, should I take him to a vet? And they're like, well, no, you should take him to Pigeon Man. And we get... Sid's classic introduction to to (laughs) Gerald's Amazing Legends, where he's like, you know, the tale is known by none other than our own Gerald, and Gerald's storytelling is amazing. We've talked about this, obviously, in the Legends episode, but it's great.
1: Yeah, and uh, Sid is such a great hype man, too. He gets you so pumped. And, uh, you know, Gerald is a very animated storyteller, and he has these little routines he falls into. Like, he has sort of a th- like a a group of three at the end where he'll say, some say that he's this horrible thing, and some say that he's this thing. Others say he's just a guy in a <laughs> pigeon suit. <laughs> and then he always ends with, who knows? I don't. <laughs> yeah, and just
0: the, the music that's always playing, and there there's always kind of this cool stylistic like change and the music going on is just it you just get this feel of like wow this is this is some cool stuff this is some cool urban legend situations and gerald gerald does such a good job and i love that every time he finishes the story there's this nice you know polite applause afterwards where everyone everyone appreciates <laughs> his work
1: they're such a great group of friends, even though some of them are total garbage. <laughs> like they're specifically Rhonda and Harold, but like even they have redeemable moments and I just love their their little gang.
0: Yeah. They're they're great. And so after all of this, Arnold decides to go to the infamous Pigeon Man to see what he can help with. And uh and that's at this point he doesn't say a whole lot to him, right? Pigeon Man just kinda looks at him and says a few things and then is like, come back tomorrow and he should be better by then. And
1: he's clearly skeptical of Arnold too. He doesn't trust people and has sort of, I'm going to say as few words as possible. Yeah, to you. And
0: you could feel his true concern is about the pigeons, right? It's he probably wouldn't keep talking to Arnold if it weren't for the fact that he wants to be good for this pigeon. So he's willing to sort of deal with talking to a person so that he can take care of of this bird so he does that and arnold ends up going back and reporting back to the crew you know as to what what happens and they've got all these questions and helga's helga's brilliant what did he say (laughs) cuckoo (laughs) ca-choo
1: i love that (laughs) line (laughs) Yeah, Arnold was like, he could talk to them. He was cooing at them. Yeah, what did he say? Cuckoo choo And then yeah, uh someone asks if he smells. I think it was Harold. And uh Arnold goes, He did smell, but not bad. Yeah, I don't
0: really understand I guess the only thing I can think of is kind of like how old people smell. You know?
1: And and so and people have, you know, we we as, associate smells with people, not as much as like dogs do, but you know, sometimes I'll I'll smell something and be like, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so's yeah. house. Or like, you I know. I guess it just,
0: I feel like that's not how I would say it, but you know. I get what he's getting at. Right. But, um. Yeah.
1: And uh so Pigeon Man reveals that his name is Vincent to Arnold the second time he goes up. And he, Arnold learns a little bit more. It's kind of like an RPG where the more time you spend with a character, sometimes they start to open up to you more. And that's sort of what's happening it. where, uh. Chess Chester has a little X, band-aid X across his chest to show that, you know, he had been looked after. Yeah. It, it kind of <laughs> reminds
0: me a bit of um, the Able sisters, not to make another Animal Crossing reference, I know we do this all the time, where like if you talk to them enough they'll sort of open up to you and uh, it's LaBelle and is it Sable the other one that you have to kind of urge to...
1: Sable's the only Sable's the only one you have to become friends with. LaBelle is the one at Gracie's, and then Mabel is the regular. No, but LaBelle hedgehog. is
0: in the in New Leaf. She eventually friends you. Yeah, she's not in Gracie's. She's just.
1: That's you're right. It is a similar, but I mean, not in Gracie's, but yeah. She but she sells eventually the warms the up to you. Okay, it's fine. Um... I guess you're right. You're right. I get what you're saying. It's the same concept. I was specific. Because when I was saying the RPG thing, I had Sable in mind specifically. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to bring her up because I knew you'd give me, you know, well, some beef I for it. Well, because so. I'm
0: the one who's done the dirty work. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. Um, anyways. <laughs> he also, uh, they get kind of this real conversation. This is one of the first sort of real moments, I think, where... Um, Arnold asks, like, are you ever lonely up here? And Pigeon Man responds with, lonely for what? For people? No. And we get that first sort of sense of his inability to trust and inability to care for people in the same way we do and the way that he kind of sees people as toxic almost, that they, you know, he doesn't miss them. He doesn't get people.
1: Yeah, it's so uh, so heartbreaking, and you know there's a story there, and so Arnold is trying to you know do his thing of like oh a cha- a moral challenge uh, here we go, and he tries to get Pigeon Man to go out to get pizza with him, and he's like oh pizza I remember pizza and <laughs> just kind of a strange thing to say, but you know Vincent is a strange dude. And they go to get pizza, and he's saying, are those bits of pineapple? Now that is strange. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, because so many people argue yeah, over that. that's
0: a common, common hot topic. We also do get a moment um, somewhere in here where he kind of talks about his childhood and how he always loved birds so much, and everyone made fun of him for it, and he just didn't really, you know, he always felt closer to birds. And amidst this sort of happening, we see it sort of across the street, and there's... It's Harold, Stinky, and I forget, is it Sid? It's like three of them.
1: Yeah, it's Harold and Sid, and, uh, oh, I don't remember who the third one is, but you're right, it is three.
0: Harold's, like, the leader at this moment, and he's just like, let's go and mess with his stuff! Like, for no reason. He hasn't done anything. He's just, Harold, I feel like he gets better in later episodes, but in the earlier ones, he's pure trash.
1: Yeah, it's so sad, and Arnold and Pigeon come back from their pizza outing, and Arnold goes, what? How did they come back, and all the cages are messed up, and everything is turned over and looks, like, terrible because Harold pillaged it, and Arnold goes, who did this? And he says, people, Arnold, and it's so devastating because he's, of course, he's right, and he even, you know, it sort of proves to him that he should have never left his rooftop. God,
0: I, I feel like... And this is kind of where we get into the unsettling feel, right? And this one's definitely more so unsettling and kind of the truths it brings out, right? And I think this is a struggle a lot of people have is how do you know, like, who to trust when so many people don't deserve it? And we can see that Pigeon Man specifically has been hurt too many times to to keep with it. And Arnold says something along the lines of, like, oh, we can fix everything. The pigeons will come back and Pigeon Man responds with, of course they'll come back. They're birds. I trust them. I understand them. And very much emphasizing that, you know, he, he has this connection with birds who are unable to cause the kind of pain that people have been in his life, and it's, it hurts.
1: Yeah, it's so sad, and just to sort of see him be right in his skepticism of humanity even just for this moment the one time he goes out and gets pizza and lets down his guard this happens and by one of arnold's friends no less and uh so the birds do come back he sort of ties like a string to each of them it's a kind of complicated contraption but it's in the style of up and the balloons on the house and he says you know he's basically telling arnold like i uh, it's time for me to go like i've got to get out of here and he's like, "Where are you going?" He just says, "Away, and he starts to fly away towards the sun. It's like a nice big sunset, and he says, "'Always wash your berries before you eat them and fly toward the sun and Something about that second line just hits me so deeply it's a it's a little it's a little artsy, fartsy, but I think it's so it's so compact and simple. And effective in such few words. Just fly toward the sun. It's it's just He's, stunning. Yeah,
0: and the music that plays here is so perfect. Um, he also does, I think, a little bit before that, he says, he thanks Arnold. He says, like, thanks for letting me know that there are some people deserving of trust. So we do see oh. just this little bit of hope in him, but still knowing that he can't He can't stay here. And there's, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that, you know, he has to, believe in the way he does and the way the music is playing and the sunset and all of it together is it's emotional in such a hard to describe way
1: yeah I'm I'm having a a, I'm having a moment just thinking about it like man this this show is so good and so meaningful to so many people and uh you know not to include my own biases as we start Nick Madness (laughs) but this show it's it's just one of the best you know and you guys better get it <laughs> a significant if it loses the first round i quit the podcast <laughs> i
0: i seriously doubt it will i think i think it's one of those shows that's agreed upon to just be so so much right there's there's so much there that just you don't get mm-hmm. in other in other shows you don't get i don't i don't know if there's any other episode of anything that's given me this set of emotions that I feel from Pigeon Man. It's just a very specific feeling that's hard to put into words.
1: Yep, it's like nostalgia, but I felt that nostalgia even at the time. It's not like a retrospective. It's a nostalgia for something that never was. I don't know, that's the best way I can describe Hey Arnold. And, uh, and you know this episode is unsettling, of course, but I don't think it is in the way people would assume it is at first. I just think it's so honest about like the capacity for darkness that people have, and uh just how terrible we can be, but also how good we can be, like how Arnold demonstrates.
0: yeah, and I think I think that feeling, like I said, of just struggling between the two is is very relatable. We've all had those uh, we've all had those moments where. We kind of, like, see, you know, how could people do this? How are we supposed to move on from this? And then we see people like Arnold who kind of help us move along. But it's a beautiful episode. Um, I know we say this about a lot of episodes, but really I would recommend watching this one if you haven't seen it. It's it's something special.
1: It, it really is. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. I can't talk about this one any longer. It'll just ruin yeah, it's, my night. Yeah, it's
0: a little bit of a downer, but a good one nonetheless. Up next, we will have an episode of Invader Zim. Our third and last episode is from Invader Zim, entitled Dark Harvest. This one's from Season 1, Episode 4B.
1: When a pigeon lands on Zim's head in class, he is sent to the nurse's office for having head pigeons, (laughs) an apparent disease. (laughs) But he becomes concerned that the nurse might figure out that he is actually not a human. So to avoid this, Zim steals human organs from other children, yes, really, and replaces them with other objects and ingests them himself, resulting in him having many hearts and spleens. (laughs)
0: You have many everything really, other than Well, we'll we'll get there. <laughs> um Uh He Yeah, this this one's from from what I understand, Invader Zim is kind of an unsettling show in its entirety, but from what I read, this one's agreed upon to be one of the most unsettling of the show. Um I definitely liked this one better than the last look we got at Zim not too long ago, so props props to that. But it's, it starts out weird. We've got Zim, for whatever reason, just talking about how he has non-human organs and how human organs are so weak. And he's like, he mentions his squeedly scooch, 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 I don't even.
1: scooch. Well, he, he gets like hit with a frisbee or something. One human gets hit and it's like, ah, my organs. And he goes, ha, pathetic human organs. And then he gets hit and he goes, ah, my squeedly scooch. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: and uh we've got we've got dib you know the the classic human who's always trying to apparently prove that zim is indeed an alien and he he has these like glasses that lets him see into people's organs i guess and cannot identify whatever organ zim has
1: yeah it's uh (laughs) He's very much a Crocker-type figure, and similar to Crocker's backstory, we learn that Dib, we if we, we can assume his information is correct, that he was abducted by aliens as a kid, and so he has this, similar to how Crocker actually had fairies and, like, faintly remembers them, and, uh, so we have this paranoia that's based in truth, and he's ultimately right, but he looks crazy, and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and I also do want to mention, because you mentioned that this is our second Zim episode, some of you guys tweeted some Invader Zim episodes for us to check out, which we really appreciate, and once we're back from Nick Madness, we uh, we have a plan for early April that we'll announce later, but uh, we do want to get to your Zim episodes eventually, so know that those are coming.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, after this one I'm definitely more interested to get a further look into the show as well. Um, so we, we get the moment where there's the pigeons and the teacher's just like, Zim, you have head pigeons. You've got to go, you've got to go to the nurse for your head pigeons. And I think this is one of those moments where we just accept that in Invader Zim world, that is a thing that happens and you need to go to the nurse for it.
1: Yeah, her delivery of that is so good. You've got head pigeons. Get to the nurse. (laughs) So deadpan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, we do get... And you know, this was probably a bad call on Dib's part. Dib says something to Zim like, Oh, don't you think the nurse will notice your non-human organs? Which, if he didn't mention, I don't know if Zim would have thought this through.
1: <laughs> right, so it was actually a nice heads up from Jabon unintentionally. And so he gets this hall pass that's pretty messed up. If he leaves school grounds, it will explode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what kind of dark school they're in. I get, I, and I, you get more of a feel for it. It's like this weird off world, right? There's a lot of things that are just off about it. And I I do kind of get the appeal to that more so now than I did the first episode through.
1: Yeah, and so then we have this hall monitor who is stopping Zim. And he's like, your classic sort of square hall monitor. And he's like, Where are you going? Do you have a hall pass? And he shows him, and Zim goes, Say, you're full of organs, aren't you? And you wouldn't notice if uh, you were, say, missing a few? And he goes, Probably not.
0: Just the way they interact is the the way the lines are delivered. Are it's yeah, it's I, pretty I great. I have to say I um, get
1: this show now. I didn't get it before, and I apologize for my harsh-ish language after just watching one episode because I I get it now. I'm still not in yeah. love with it, but I I understand what it's trying to do.
0: I have a much bigger respect. I think maybe the episode we watched wasn't the best introduction to the show either. This one, this one, I I just I got more for sure. We we then see Dib start to panic about whether or not Sim's gonna get caught and he just takes a pencil and like shoves it up his nose he says to the teacher like um this pencil is stuck in my brain and her response again deadpan is just how far in your brain and he's like uh his delivery
1: is so good it's very like
0: uh you know
1: happens (laughs) every day but let's talk about what he was doing with that pencil before (laughs) he shoves it up his nose he is drawing an alien autopsy that he threatened zim with and it's pretty graphic it's zim on like a, a slab and he's just they're just going through his organs in this drawing that dib made and it's it's very graphic
0: yeah, it's pretty dark, but you know, so it goes. He also then because uh, Zim has the, you know, I'm guessing the primary hall pass. He has to take the secondary hall pass, which is like a, oh, what's the name? It's like a, it's like a giant radiator. Right? It's like a... And it weighs
1: sixty two pounds. <laughs>
0: yeah. As they specifically say and. We then see Dibs kind of like going, he goes to the nurse's office and is like, where's the green kid? And she's like, oh, he's over there writhing in pain. And there's the the hall monitor, who's now missing, I don't know, one of his organs, maybe multiple, that Zim switched out with the hall pass, which made him turn unbearably sick and turn green.
1: (laughs) It's very shocking. And then Zim is sort of hiding in what, like the... the, um... The vents. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, in and the ceiling somewhere. Ends
1: up taking the receptionist's brain, and she can't speak. She just sort of, like, you see physical, like, exhaust, like, car exhaust almost come out of her mouth, and her eyes kind of gloss over.
0: Yeah, it's, again, very unsettling and just creepy. And Zim just keeps going through and just stealing unnecessary quantities of organs, right? Like, he could just steal a set. You know, he could steal a heart, he could steal a stomach, and just, like, have one set of organs and call it done, but no. He's just, from every person in this school, pretty much, he's stolen at at least one organ. Uh, Dib then goes up to him and starts talking to him and, like, listing off, like, oh, do you have a, do you have a this, do you have a that? And then he's like, well, how about lungs? And Zim realizes that he did in fact forget to get lungs. So then they're
1: in like the cafeteria, and we get introduced to oh he's probably been introduced on the show before, even though this is early on in the run. But we uh, see (laughs) Torque. His name is Torque. He loves lifting, which is hilarious if you understand the the basics of the of uh, torque in like physics. And he, that's his name, and it's on his shirt. And he still has all of his organs. And, uh, so Dib is, like, starts talking to him, right?
0: Yeah, Dib starts talking to him because he knows that Zim is after lungs, and he wants to make sure that, because it seems like this kid, Torque is perhaps the last one in the school mm-hmm. with all of his organs. So Dib wants to ensure that Torque's lungs do not get stolen and replaced with whatever object Zim chooses to right. replace it with,
1: which is the radiator, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, he switches he switches them out with like a ton of things. We see like a milk carton in somebody. He sees the, right. the, the radiator in somebody. Yeah. He's he's just apparently, however his alienness works, he can harvest organs and at least temporarily replace right. them with objects that somehow keep them alive but miserably and then so
1: they go back to the nurse's office and uh, uh, w- w-
0: yeah, the teacher
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the teacher is there for some reason and she goes she's telling the nurse right she's like that one has had pigeons. the other yeah. one is just annoying fix it <laughs> <laughs> referring to zim and dib yes. right
0: yeah it's it's the basic line <laughs> uh. The concept,
1: I'm still not over the concept of head pigeons.
0: <laughs> it's apparently a common so problem. So
1: ridiculous.
0: There's also, there's this sign.
1: Yes. That it,
0: for like a blood drive, we assume, and it just says, we need your blood, with like the Red Cross yeah, symbol on it, cross. and that's it.
1: Oh. And then later, doesn't the teacher say like, something about, it. she's like, oh, Zim, you're looking, you know... You're looking uh, nice, blah, blah, and such plentiful organs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the, the nurse, I believe, during her examination. Right, when she's
1: examining him, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and she she determines that Zim is perfectly healthy. In fact, more healthy than anyone she's ever seen, because I know that from my doctors, they usually count my organs and say, yes, correct number, healthy child. <laughs> Yeah, the
1: logic of this episode is so great. Um, I really enjoyed all three of these episodes. It's probably the first one of these in a while where I've overwhelmingly enjoyed all three of them.
0: Yeah, this was was great. I think, I don't remember what it is, but I do know that at the end she determines that there's something wrong with Dib in the end, too. She's like, oh, we've got to deal with you, and Dib is, of course, annoyed that after all of this, he's the one that's found to have issues it's it's great um, there is sort of two I think this is common these episodes just kind of end they're they're not especially resolved and this seems to be because uh, I caught you know the last few seconds of the previous episode this seems to be a common sort of way that these work that it just kind of clips it just kind of is over which I think is interesting
1: yeah, it's kind of like Adventure Time does that too, but with Adventure Time it's more of a, like, cute, random thing, and with Zim it's more horrifying.
0: Yeah, and I think that's intentional. I think it's intended to uh, make you just feel a little bit off, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. And
0: I think every everything about the show is a little bit off.
1: That's for sure, which makes it a perfect candidate for our Unsettling Episodes podcast.
0: All right, I think that sums up everything I want to say. Definitely a good set of three episodes. Uh, anything you wanted to add?
1: Uh, not about this. I, I'm getting a little bummed all of a sudden that we won't really be watching any episodes for a while, but I might just on my own start looking through the Nicktoon canon, maybe watch some Ah! Real Monsters, because I, I feel like that's the show I know the least about. Um, but very excited for Nick Madness, and glad we got to sort of look at some amazing episodes before we move away from this format for a bit.
0: Yeah, all right, I think on that note, uh, coming up next, we'll have the moment where I move ahead in trivia.
1: We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that works out for you, Ashley.
0: All right, it's time for our trivia segment. Right now, the current standings are 2-2. Two to two. We're at a tie. Let's see if we can finally break this, because I think we've been tied most of the time in our second season of uh nick trivia here
1: yeah i was up round one and then we've been tied ever since so we'll see what happens all right ashley uh we talked about this a little bit so i'm hoping that it's still a somewhat reasonable question and not too easy but which of these is not the name of one of arnold's carrier pigeons
0: Uh. (laughs) ah so there were
1: there were three of them and uh they all rhyme with Esther, and the, your four options are Lester, Jester, Fester, or Chester.
0: I'm pretty confident Jester, you said with a J, right? Uh huh. I'm going to say that that is not one of the names of the carrier pigeons.
1: Final answer? Final answer. Correct! That is correct. Well done. Nice. I even deleted my note that said that their
0: names. I felt like you you had a note that said the names, too, because I was, like, trying to name them earlier. I was like, it's Chester and something that rhymes with that. So (laughs) I I was wondering, I was like, like, did I make that up? That makes sense now.
1: (laughs) And then when you mentioned it, I was like, "Uh, yeah, it could have been any name. (laughs) I was like, I don't don't really remember.
0: (laughs) Which is why I was like, I guess I invented that note. Good to know that I'm not crazy, (laughs) at least not for that.
1: I thought, you know, Faster is kind of a weird name, so I thought maybe you'd go for that, but anyway.
0: It's all good. Um, my question also might be too easy, but we're going we're gonna to go for a shot for this. So, in the SpongeBob theme song, this is a visual one, there's, there's the portion where he kind of ends up in quarters, right? And he, like, spirals around a couple of times. Mm hmm. Um, how many different configurations within that bit does SpongeBob? end up in. Hmm. did you, you get what I'm saying, right? I
1: do, yeah, I do.
0: And that is including, just to clarify, the end where he ends up back as normal SpongeBob. Okay. Is it two, three, four, or five configurations?
1: So my gut was three because rule of threes and because that kind of lines up nicely with the music. But I think in, if we include the last one, it's going to be four. I think it's three unique poses, and then the fourth where he comes together. So I'm going to go with four, final
0: answer. That is incorrect. It was three. So oh. should have gone with your gut. I figured it was one of those things where like you've seen it enough times that it was definitely fair. I probably would have gone with four as well. But no, he has two sort of incorrect ones. He falls into the first one, spirals into the second one, and then ends up as himself so i
1: guess three would have been less economic it would have the it's it's less bang for your buck because you get the you get the gag with just two of those so that makes sense (laughs) all right well you are up three to two then man so this is your first lead of 2017
0: that is true i'm gonna keep it up guys you saw you saw the uh
1: that's what the i wanted to mention. i said, yeah. i just that's the thing i forgot about that i was like i know there's something i wanted to say. my gifts arrived from ashley they are very lovely, a coloring book, nicktoons seen it and um a t-shirt. and so when ashley comes out to new york in about a month we're going to record some of nick madness and we're going to play some nicktoons seen it which i've already played since i got it and it's a blast. so we'll we'll probably facebook live some of that or maybe even do like a One of those fancy streams that you know more about than me, Ashley.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it'll be a fun time either way. And I figured, you know, just setting the bar for when I win the 2017 season and Casey has to send me my gifts. Yeah, it was an an
1: investment. That was clever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. That does it for trivia. Coming up, we'll have our conclusion with our fun fact, Twitter poll, and preview for next week.
1: Our fun fact for this week is brought to you by Phoebe of Hey Arnold. She mentions that carrier pigeons can fly at 40 miles per hour, which is kind of nuts.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really fast for a bird. I mean, I guess there's probably birds that fly much faster, right? But I just would not have anticipated pigeons flying quite so fast. So thank you, Phoebe, for your always appreciated intellect. Our Twitter poll is also uh, sort of uh, inspired by the Hey Arnold episode is do you think pineapple should be on pizza yes or no in the theme of pigeon man who says like you said that that's weird i know this is a very uh this is a very debated topic and i have a personal opinion but i don't want to bias you guys so I, I will talk about it come next week
1: yeah i also have a strong opinion but ultimately i'm in the live and let live camp so we'll see how you guys decide and So next week, it's finally here. I've been getting so excited about this for, like, three months now, as Ashley is painfully aware. (laughs) I am so excited for Nick Madness, guys. I live for brackets. I live for lists and quantifying the unquantifiable. And uh, we are going to—we already put out some blank brackets for you guys And I know we said we'd be releasing them today. We went early because we're actually starting the voting on Saturday, the day after this podcast is released. And we wanted to give you more time to think about it, really fill out your brackets. We also added two shows to our preliminary round. So it ultimately is a 20-team tournament. We have eight teams competing for the last four spots to just make the tournament. So that will be happening tomorrow. Uh, Saturday the 25th, and after that we will know our Sweet 16 and the real tournament will begin. So when you fill out your brackets, just put in the team that, the sorry, not, not the team, they are teams in this sense, but put in the show that you think will win the preliminary matchup. And I'm so excited. It's going to be great. Tweet us your brackets, and uh, we we might have a prize or a uh, special shout-out to give anyone who has the closest bracket to what actually happens. Ashley, do you have anything to add about that?
0: Uh, I think Casey just about covered it. Like I said, he's been he's been excited about this, like, crazy. Uh, really interested to see your guys' opinions on which shows are best. I'm looking forward to it. I think that sums everything up, so thanks so much as always for listening, and we'll see you next week.